This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ Friends. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. Look at partner, I'm um, I'm watching the playoff races unfold, wondering if there are a couple of teams that might really regret trying to squeeze into the playoffs since there's a bunch of teams vying for the last wild card spot. In the East, for instance, we got Carolina, Buffalo, and Philadelphia, and, and in the West it's Vancouver, Colorado, and Chicago. And now, is there a team or two in this group that would be better off as a seller at the trade deadline, or should all these clubs think about squeezing into the postseason? I'll go first, AJ, and say for me, it's the uh, Carolina Hurricanes that should be sellers as they can, can't expect to go far with McElhaney as their starting goalie. And they have the much-coveted supply of four right-handed shot defensemen and also a couple of tough forwards that people are looking at around the league. In the West, it seems to me that Colorado is a one-line hockey team and they might want to parlay some of their extra assets, if there are any that, that are marketable, to uh, other clubs. So that's what I see in terms of the landscape out here, wondering if, you know, there's a school of thought, too, that just getting into the playoffs gives you a chance to win. And we all know that that is the case. But realistically, should one of these, one of these teams or two of these teams be looking around saying, maybe we'd be better off selling? Well, at, at the risk of upsetting uh, Canucks fans everywhere by saying this again, uh, for my money, it's Vancouver that I think should be a seller here. Um, just because Elias Pettersson is going to like single-handedly get you into the playoffs doesn't mean uh, that you shouldn't still be a seller. I, I think this team is headed in the right direction. Uh, I think they're rebuilding the right way, uh, in my opinion. But I think it's too soon to just take – uh, making the playoffs simply, you know, as a sign, well, oh, everything's, you know, coming up roses now. I think they still need to sell off their pieces. My biggest suggestion has been uh, Edler needing to go. Now, obviously, the concussion is going to complicate things a little bit here. Um, but for my money, Vancouver is the number one team that shouldn't get distracted by the playoffs. Now, that's crazy to say. I understand that. But 
in order to continue to build, they need to be sellers at the deadline. And that's going to send them up, set them up for deeper postseason runs in the future, rather than just saying, oh, well, we can make the playoffs this year. We might as well. You know, Toronto had that bonus year we talked about a couple of years ago, but they still stayed in seller mode and still built for the future. And now they're one of the top teams in the league. So uh, that's that's kind of the key team for me. I think Buffalo probably falls in a similar vein, um, but they're, I think, a little more on the outside looking in than than Vancouver is at this point. Um, but before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer those questions. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, AJ, let's take a look at a couple of the news and notes around each of the teams, as we all, always do every week. And beginning with the Anaheim Ducks, they... Uh, you know what they went 0-4 last week they've been in a free fall for a while and if there's such a thing as a mercy firing that happened last week to randy carlisle the head coach and in an odd move the gm stepped right into the breach and took on the coaching reins i wonder why murray would do that maybe to get a closer look at just what's happened on the ice there is is a different perspective that he has offered now and uh we look at the team the veterans on the squad Corey perry has one assist in five games back i mean i'm prepared to give this guy a mulligan uh, he missed three months of the season, the first three months coming off a serious surgery. But more telling than that is Ryan Getzlaff, the other linchpin here, only 36 points in 50 games played. You need more than that from your top line center. Both of these guys have two years left at an 8.2 and 8.6 cap hits respectively over the next couple of years. And the teams are going to come calling for other players here, likely with low ball offers. And uh, it reminds me of being in fantasy pools and saying, you know, if I had a bad team, I might be disinterested and people would come at me with these low ball offers. And if I was careless, I'd probably accept one or two of them. But that's not the way you play the game, I don't think, if you want to be a, a serious player in fantasy, nor should it be the way you operate in managing a team. You've got to really weigh your prospects and your talent uh, objectively and and uh, look away from the fact that it might be a bit of a tire fire in this situation so it's a it's a a test of of the metal of murray to just hang on to the key assets that he think he, he can he thinks he can build around going forward i absolutely agree with you there paul i think selling for the sake of selling is a mistake there needs to be a direction there needs to be a vision uh and and so that i think needs to be a priority for this team uh one thing i will add about the the decision of the gm to kind of take over the reins it sounds like perhaps uh their aal ahl affiliate coach dallas eakins uh is going to have a crack at the job for next season um, but that team is having a good year uh in the minors and, and looking to make a a postseason run for for their championship and so it sounds like they're probably hesitant to bring him in just for the back half of what's going to be a bust season anyway let him finish out the year in the minors potentially win a championship with them and then uh, maybe get the job uh, heading into next season we'll see how that all shakes out obviously there's no guarantees there um, but it does sound like dallas eakins probably the lead candidate uh, for the anaheim ducks job and you know what he did a great job with the maple leafs affiliate too 
in the minors, uh, setting them up for a nice run. They're still enjoying. They're developing lo lots of prospects that have made the, the Maple Leafs some very high on, on Dallas Eakins as a guy who will be a pretty good coach once you, once you reach the NHL, and I think it's going to happen soon, like you suggest. In Arizona, Alex Galchenyuk registered a season high with three points in his last game to close out last week. Hopefully, that's an indication of finally playing like a true top six winger that they expected him to be here all along. Uh, Richard Panik still getting top six wing minutes here despite only one assist in his last six games played. I'd like to see a guy like a, a young Lawson Krauss get a longer look there. He's only 21 and has upside potential. Uh, two, three shots on goal games in his last five games indicate that for me. And I'd rather see a young guy with upside get it get a look here in a situation where this is another team not going really to the playoffs so find out what you got here giving these guys bigger minutes and get them give them a chance to develop on the blue line Osterley has five points in his last four games that gives them a nice look on the back end actually with three scoring defensemen here he's the minimum salary guy who's a pending ufa as well i'm i'm betting that he'll be highly sought after if he makes it to free agency Look, you can't talk about the Coyotes right now without talking about this IR list that just seems to be getting worse and worse. Uh, you've already got Schmaltz done for the year. Looks like you might get Dvorak, Richardson, and Grabner back sometime soon, but you're also dealing with Mario Kempe uh, banged up as well, which could open the door for your guy Lawson Kraus to see more minutes because they just don't have any centers right now. Uh, the one bright spot here is that Jason Demers, who originally it, they expected him to be done for the year, seems to be recovering a little bit quicker, and they may get him back for you know the tail end of the season here, get a few games under his belt, and that'll set him up well for next season. So uh, just a, a really, I'm counting one, two, three, counting seven guys on injured reserve right now eight actually i forgot about a couple uh and so just really a banged up team which is unfortunate because i think uh there's some pieces here in arizona that i'd like to see kind of work together and and kind of gel and see what they have but just injuries have decimated this roster and we're going to talk about a few teams that are reliant on one line certainly in boston they nobody gets more out of one line than than they do out of the top unit here we've talked about them at, at length here and we'll feature one of the guys in our stud of the week later on but uh, in an effort to spread that offense they've moved moved things around a little bit now Pasternak has joined the Krejci line while Heinen has moved up to the top unit and I'm suggesting if Hyman gets a a lot of run on that top line you got to grab him if you can in free agency Jake DeBrusque is being challenged by Peter Solarik to round out that second unit as well I'm keeping an eye on that situation which might be fluid because DeBrusque is disappointed for large stretches as well on the back end McAvoy is logging big minutes and has three points in his last two games partnered with Zdeno Chara there is no bigger security blanket in the league so McAvoy's got to be feeling pretty good right now yeah unfortunately for this team it looks like you know it could just be uh, something minor um, but fresh off kind of the news wire here David Pasternak is not at practice this morning so that could be an indication that he's going to miss potentially which to your point, Paul, DeBrusque, I think, slides in potentially in that second line role. Uh, and Peter uh, Serlaric, you know, would hang on to his spot as well. So that would make Solaric, Krejci, and DeBrusque as a potential second line if Pasternak, in fact, uh, doesn't play. It's too early to know. It could just be maintenance day. Could be, you know, the, your usual bumps and bruises. But definitely something uh, to monitor for, for our listeners.
And great job picking that up while we're recording the show, uh, AJ. Well done. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres uh, trying to tread water still and stay relevant. Jason Pommeville is getting more minutes as the right winger on the top line again. He's got two goals and more power play minutes in his last five games. Connor Sheary's producing with more consistency of late. I know that's a guy that you had your eye on, AJ. He has eight points in his last 11 games played in a top six role as a left winger on the second line. Middle stat, trying to hold down the middle spot on the second line. He has four points in his last five games and is now also playing left wing on the power play on the first unit. So he, he, his value jumps up in DFS as long as that circumstance arises on the peak PP. Uh, in goal, Ulmark and Hutton each put up put in solid starts in the la- their last efforts after both goalies were called out by Jeff Skinner in a bit of an awkward moment for the club. But uh, at least on the ice, it seems to have, uh, have resonated with the goalies and they've responded. I think the biggest concern for me here uh, is the, the goal drought for Vladimir Sabalka because he was supposed to be kind of a depth option for this team that could have even pushed Shiri Pominville, uh for top six minutes. He hasn't scored a goal in 39 games, just six assists over that stretch, a minus 12 rating. Again, we've talked about, you know, plus minus being uh, kind of a, a fading stat, if you will. But when it's that skewed to one side, I definitely think it says something. And perhaps the most concerning thing for me that you've highlighted uh throughout our time on this show paul is the shot on goal rate which is just 44 shots in 39 games that's simply not good enough if he's going to get out of this slump he needs to be putting pucks on net his ice time hasn't really dipped uh at all he's still averaging about 14 and a half minutes per game isn't getting a look on the power play but that's understandable because he's not shooting the puck uh he got a lot more ice time nearly two minutes more uh when he was with st louis so perhaps a bit of a reduced role overall um but this is a guy that just needs to throw anything and everything at the net in hopes that something goes in uh and gets him back on the right track and in Calgary, boy, if you didn't see the highlight of James Neal losing chicklets the other night on a high stick and coming back to the bench, you realize just how tough these hockey players are. And this guy's a, a playoff grinder, so I expect him to pick things up in the next few weeks, too. He's getting more more of a burst on, on the special teams, and uh, and I think he could even move up in the top six if he, if he gets on a bit of a roll. They want him warming up while this team gets ready for the serious shooting. But if you want to understand the current pecking order in goal, David Riddich was back in the Nets after being pulled in the first of their two games last week. So that tells you all you need to know, that they have a ton of faith in this guy and that my my guy, Mike Smith, has taken a definite back seat here. And on the blue line, we all know that Giordano is having a Norris-caliber season, but his partner, DJ Brody, is a guy that I've talked about from time to time this season. He's having an excellent comeback campaign posting nine of his 29 points on the season over the last seven games to go with a lofty plus 27 rating. That's the highest in this guy's career. Well, you can't talk about this team without continuing to talk about Elias Lindholm. And it may sound like a broken record here, but you're looking at a guy who in his last 16 games has only been held off the score sheet twice. He's got 20 points over that stretch, seven of which are coming on the man advantage. There's shots on goal at 36 in those uh, six or 37 rather in those 16 games and really just rolling and firing on all cylinders, averaging over 20 minutes of ice time per game, which is astronomical for most forwards uh, are not going to be that high up there. So his price tag might be a little uh, expensive. 
uh, in some formats, but you absolutely want to continue to look at him and uh, get him in your lineup as much as you can. And uh, last year, the next player I want to talk about was a Calgary Flame, but Michael Furland's name is really being bandied about in terms of the the trade bait uh, upcoming in a couple of weeks. We're going to hear his name in a lot of rumors, I'm sure. Why that is is because he's a pending UFA with a 1.75 cap hit this year uh, to close out this season. He plays a physical style, and he has a nice season going with 28 points, split with 14 goals, 14 assists. On the blue line, uh, Brett Pesci is the most tempting trade piece that I'm hearing in terms of these same same rumors. He's a big guy, right-handed shot, has a top plus minus rating of plus 18 on this team and he also has the most affordable cap hit here among five pretty expensive defensemen when you look at the five pack here i was surprised to see how much money they've spent there so i'm certain that the the hurricanes would rather move the contracts of falk and hamilton who are more likely to be pushed into the trade talks that they want to initiate down the road i absolutely agree with that i think uh furland is going to be probably one of the best targets here I think Justin Williams might get a look from a few teams, but that cap hit, I think they would probably have to retain a little bit of salary in order to make that manageable. You're looking at 4.5. It's just too big of a a hit to take. I also think either one of these netminders could uh, get some offers, whether they're willing to part ways with Peter Mrazek or Curtis McElhinney remains to be seen. But I do think Uh, They could get some offers for those guys, and that would potentially open the door for maybe Scott Darling to start getting uh, some looks and get called back up uh, from uh, his AHL assignment. So we'll see where this goes, but definitely to your point, I think Carolina probably a big team at the deadline. Furland, I think, is the number one target. Well, I thought the Chicago Blackhawks were going to be a seller at the trade deadline, AJ, but suddenly this team is in the playoff hunt, as I intimated off the top of the show. They're only four points out of a wild card position, and a big reason why is Dylan Strom is scoring at almost a point-per-game clip since he was acquired by the Hawks some 30 games ago. Remember, he was picked just before Mitch Marner in the dra- in the, that draft class and has right now got 14 points in his last seven games. If you haven't have him available in your league, you've got to pick this guy up as soon as possible. Uh, it was a, a stealth move by the Hawks, who have really found uh, their number two center behind Jonathan Taves. That's an excellent one-two punch. In terms of the rest of the forward group, uh, Brendan Saad, a gritty type who has six points in his last eight games, is playing with typical determination and earning power play time on the second unit at left wing. I like him a lot. And Cahoon, a youngster, has seven points in his last four games to solidify the depth scoring here. I got to take a moment to tip my cap here to another guy who's going to play uh, in his thousandth career game, and that's Chris Kunitz. Uh, he's going to play in Thursday's game at home uh, for the Blackhawks, 39 years old, four-time Stanley Cup champion, gold medalist uh, for Canada as well. And so, yes, his numbers are way off this year. Just four goals in 33 games played uh, has been a healthy scratch more often than not in a lot of instances. But uh, just wanted to take a moment to talk about a guy who's really uh, impacted the game despite not having necessarily the big stellar numbers that you might expect uh, from a four-time Stanley Cup champion. A couple of those with your penguins, too, you might add. 
Yeah, maybe three of them. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado is a team that's really stumbling of late. Uh, finding a second scoring unit has been vitally important to the cause all season long, and it's held them back because they haven't found that answer. It's notable that uh, they've flipped things around, and Matt Nieto and Calvert are now flanking Soderberg on that second line. Kerfoot and Wilson are now in third line slots. They were moved down because they just weren't performing. They're centered by JT Comfort. None of these guys is doing much lately, and that's where the big issue lies here in the uh, really the most prototypical one line offense that I see in the entire league right now. In the Nets, Semyon Varlamov has been rocked by 15 goals against in his last four games played. The big trouble here, he's facing about 40 shots a game in the last, last week, and uh, that's uh, another big issue here. They just can't keep the puck off the net, and uh, it's not a playoff-ready formula, despite the, te- the fact that th- this team has a number of star players on it. The obvious reason for me why they're seeing so many shots is the guys that they have injured on that blue line. You've got uh, Mark Barbaro. He's on IR as well as Ian Cole. Neither one of these guys is necessarily going to give you a bunch on the offensive side, but these are guys that will block shots uh, that are, you know, defensively minded players that are going to limit the opportunities there on the back end. And another kind of uh, kind of ancillary impact to having those guys out. You look at Tyson Berry's numbers in the last five games. He's got just one assist without kind of those defensive stalwarts on the ice. Uh, a guy like Barry is going to be forced to play back a little bit, play more defensively, and that's going to impact his offensive numbers. So it's definitely something uh, for you know our listeners to really consider when you see these other injuries to guys that maybe aren't exactly fantasy relevant. You need to take a look at what the impact is going to be for the rest of the lineup. Without those two guys, shots are going to go up for the goaltenders, and a guy like Tyson Barry is going to see his offensive numbers dip a little. And in Columbus, you know, we haven't talked much about Cam Atkinson, but he must be the most, the least heralded 30-goal scorer in the entire league. He's on another roll here of late with four goals and two helpers in his last five games. Boone Jenner is thriving also with five points in his last three games played. So a couple of uh, offensive guys making some noise here. Josh Anderson has taken advantage of his recent right-wing minutes on the second unit. And Jenner's playmaking to notch four goals and one assist over his last five games as well. Jenner's role was clarified with Brandon Dubinsky missing the last three games with a lower body injury. They have some real good depth at center when they can get all hands healthy, but that's been a bit, cha- a bit of a challenge over the last month or so. Uh, he should return later this week, but may be relegated to the third line role with the fact that the other two guys are uh, playing pretty well. Well, I'll hop in real quick just to keep uh, an update for our listeners on that breaking news. Uh, Pasternak thumb uh, procedure done to repair an issue there out two weeks. So uh, definitely going to be needing to slot some some guys in there. I think you can't talk Columbus without talking about Panarin and Bobrovsky and, and what's going on with those guys. I will note that yesterday they made a relatively minor trade with Pittsburgh and uh, to that end, it gave them an additional contract. Now, teams are limited to 50 contracts uh, during the season. And by making that pretty minor uh, move, uh, it's conditional. If the guy plays even 10 games next year, 
they get a seventh round pick uh, from the Penguins. So really, uh, the big deal was about moving that contract that gives them three additional player contracts that they can add uh, and create some more flexibility. And you have to imagine if they are trading guys like Panarin and Bobrovsky, they'd be expecting a multiplayer return. So I think it's just another step kind of opening the door to see those guys flipped. In Dallas, this club's improvement seems tied to an improved defense. We've highlighted that before, and Heiskanen has been the guy that's really emerged back there, picking up four points in his last uh, four games on pace for 40 points right now on the season. Nobody forecast that, so it's a fat like found money over there with bishop's status uncertain though in the nets nursing an upper body injury the stars can look confidently to kudobin to fill in he's been great as a backup this season he's played a lot of games to take the pressure off bishop who has been a little bit injury prone in the forward shuffle uh, that continues here i don't get blake como playing top six minutes here only 10 points in 54 games it's more of an indictment on others like jason spezza and nichushkin who have really been disappointments Absolutely. And one other kind of indication of, you know, how disappointing those guys is that uh, Rupe Hintz is going to get top line minutes, it looks like tonight, uh, with Tyler Sagan and Alexander Radulov. And he's been, uh, you know, producing a little bit of late. He's got a goal and an assist in his last three games. And I think that's kind of what has warranted this bump up to the top line. Definitely a player to consider uh, for your your DFS contest tonight because he's not going to cost very much, but going to get probably one of uh, the most plum assignments in the league right now playing with Sagan and Radulov. In Detroit, Justin Abdelkader must be in danger of losing top-line minutes here. He's collected two points last week, but still without a goal since December the 10th. I think the main reason he's still up there is to protect the kids he's playing with, uh, who are two dynamic forwards that they look forward to building their team around offensively. One of those young players, Gustav Nyquist, is poised to set a new career high. Might even reach 60-plus points this season. He's really going well and uh, not getting much, much publicity for a fine season. They're also not getting much production on defense, and it's odd to see, for me, that they still rely on Nicholas Cronwell and Mike Green as their top D pairing. they got to give some of these younger guys a bit of a run, I think. Uh, you know, only Mike Smith, for, Mike Green, for instance, his, his totals are really in decline, AJ. Only 20 points, despite lots of playoff power play time, rather, and top pairing minutes on that blue line, like I said, not delivering to the contract that he has. One veteran who is delivering right now is uh, Thomas Vanek and, you know, might uh, might should hit the 30 mark, could challenge for 40, uh, which I think is playing with house money at this point if he gets to the 40 point mark this year. But he's got 10 points in his last 10 games, uh, is seeing plenty of ice time and is getting included on the power play as well. And so, again, another player that maybe uh, early slumps are going to depress his value uh, in your season long formats or uh, lower his price tag in daily contests and somebody that you may want to take a look at right now as he seems to be heating up a little bit towards the back half of the season. And in Edmonton, there's been a development that caused a shakeup on the top line. Ty Ratty hurt his foot blocking a shot. He was uh, in line for some big DFS pop, I thought, uh, playing with the big boys. But now that chance goes to Zach Cassian in the latest uh, shuffling that's going on there. Look for updates here because the right guy on that wing will be instantly more valuable in DFS play. It's it's a highly sought-after position. Milan Lucic also had a run on the top line, but he's cooled off again with only two assists in his last seven games and is back down 
lower in the roster. They got to get more uh, offense from their D-men. Uh, and we pointed out they've had injuries on the back end here. But uh, want to point to Clefbaum to deliver now that he's back in the lineup. He was blanked in three games last week, had only four shots on goal. So not getting too involved yet. That's a guy that they, they really need to see as their offensive linchpin back there. Well, another option for them uh, that should be coming back soon uh, is Andre Sakara. Now he's going to play uh, Wednesday in the minors. He's down there on a conditioning assignment uh, as part of his recovery from that Achilles injury. But if everything goes well on Wednesday, I think that opens the door for him to return uh, relatively soon. And this is a guy that can absolutely add some scoring options on that blue line. You look at his last two, both the, each of the last two years hit that 30 point mark while playing uh, in Edmonton and definitely would have done that again this year. I think there's still enough time. He might even be able, uh, you know, to, to challenge for 20, uh, you know, was limited last season. Uh, it was the two years before that, that he hit the 30 point mark. But I think uh, if he can get back sooner rather than later, I still put him on pace to maybe get to that 20-point mark this year. And in Florida, look, we both knew that Derek Broussard was hopelessly stuck in a bottom six role as long as they had uh, top, top two centers that they do in Pittsburgh. And uh, he's showing that he's thriving again in a top six role, albeit on the right side on the top line where he's collected three points in his last five games, logging power play time as well. We've also touched on the fact that Frankie Vetrano continues to thrive as a scoring line center. Uh, scoring line winger rather compiling 10 of his uh, 30 points over the last nine games Yandel and Ekblad are paired on the t defense they're putting all their eggs in one basket in terms of their offensive scale back there and it's boosted the younger guy a little bit he struggled this year to get the points that we thought he might but he's got four in his last five games in the nets uh, be both veteran goalies have goals against average north of three and that's not good and nor was it expected here absolutely I think you're right uh, there I think Luongo everybody expected him to have a pretty decent season this year and it just hasn't panned out that way I think injuries have uh, caused a few problems uh, but I do think he's starting to show his age at 39 years old uh, in terms of Broussard and Riley Sheehan not terribly surprising to see their names still circulating on the on the trade rumors here that they might get shipped uh, somewhere else uh, because they are both UFAs at the end of the year and might still have some value. What is a little bit surprising is that I've seen Vinny Trocek's name show up uh, on a few uh, kind of rumblings here as part of a bigger move. Uh, he carries a, a pretty modest 4.75 cap hit for a 25-year-old player of his caliber. Is signed for another three seasons after this year. So I can definitely see the appeal. Uh, for me, I would just be a little surprised uh, to see Florida willing to part ways with him. L.A. had a bit of a blip in a positive direction last week, but don't kid yourself. There's a new re reality here. Consider that Drew Doughty's production is down a bit, but the worst plus-minus rating of his career is on his ledger right now at a minus 19, showing how bad this team defense has become. As far as recent play, Anze Kopitar is, seems to be in top form, earning 10 points in his last seven games played. No matter how good or bad this team is, this guy always seems to get his points and is one of the better two-way players in hockey still. With Carter out last week, Michael Amadio got the second-line center minutes but only registered two assists despite big power play time as well. Fantenberg is now on the second defense pair and has been more engaged on the back end with an improved shots on goal and block shot rate that if you're looking for somebody to fill in your DFS roster, maybe this is the guy you look at to, uh, if he gets an assist too with the shots on goal and the blocks that he has, that's a decent night. You'll probably pay about $3,500 for him.
It's interesting. We've talked about some teams being, you know, kind of one trick ponies with one line Uh, in terms of L.A. They're literally a one trick pony in the fact that Anze Kopitar is literally their only viable (laughs) forward option with this team. And it really highlights how thin this club is. Uh, with Jeff Carter sidelined. I mean, you mentioned Amadio, Adrian Kempe as their third center, Trevor Lewis as their fourth, just returned from injury. Uh, it's really a thin team. Now, if you told me that this was their lineup maybe five years ago where you're getting solid production out of Carl Hanglin, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk would have been had a little more uh, pep in his step. I think there's some options here, uh, but this just hasn't come together. I expect them to sell more at the deadline here. I've seen Hagelin's name out there again. Kovalchuk has been mentioned as, as possibly getting moved as well, although his cap hit at his age makes that somewhat untenable. In Minnesota, Miko Koivu underwent ACL surgery. He's out for the year, but uh, on the positive side, if there is one in this case, he should be ready for opening night next season. They got to hope that that goes well because this is a veteran, and you know it takes longer for us older guys to get healthy once we go down like he did. Michael Grandin looks like he'll move into that uh, center role on one of the scoring lines. He'll be surrounded by Parise and Coyle on that unit. Uh, Victor Rask, it's interesting to note that he's not getting a sniff up here, and he's continuing his season-long disappointing performance. Despite the switch to this new club, Uh, unlike his trade partner, Niederreiter, who's thrived in Carolina. In the Nets, Devin Dubnik continues to quietly be an effective starter in goal, allowing two goals or less in five of his last seven starts. His 257 goals against on the season, still quite impressive, ranking among the league leaders, and I didn't really forecast that. So good on him for putting in another solid year. I think what this team, what happens with this team is really dependent on the next like week here in terms of games. You look at their last 10, they're four, four and two, which just extends out this like middle of the road. Are they a playoff team? Aren't (laughs) they a playoff team uh, kind of problem that they have? I think they need to identify that and then decide what they're going to do. Miko Koivu's injury throws a wrench into that whole thing. I think if he avoids the injury, if he's totally healthy, this is a team that's definitely buyers uh, in trying to make a push. The question is whether they want to do that with him sidelined. And if they are going to sell, what are they looking at? And is Eric Stahl uh, still an option to be shipped out? $3.5 million a UFA next year. I think it's a viable contract to be picked up by somebody even if they don't want to retain salary, which is an option. They certainly could go that as route as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how their performance on the ice over the next few uh, days uh, can can kind of factor into to what they do. In Montreal, uh, Jonathan Drew, and I have to tip my hat to this guy, AJ. He's poised to register a career high in scoring totals, handling the pressure of playing in this market as a French-Canadian youngster uh, nine points over his last four games shows he's on top of his game max domi has six points in his last eight games played too they're allowing yesperi kotkaniemi to get his sea legs and he, even he had a four game streak uh, snapped on the weekend but uh, still nice center depth there that i didn't really see uh, playing this well i i thought druan would kind of be usurped by the pressures of this marketplace but he's really been a su- pleasant surprise for this club on the wing their heart and soul guy gallagher is is in the mold of ruins past pa- uh, marshawn you know these are guys you'd love to have as teammates but you hate to play against them <laughs> uh, gallagher on pay on pace for a 30 goal season in fact again so good on him problem here is though they're very weak on defense but beyond weber and 
Petri. That means that it, I think it's going to be their undoing if they, even if they make it to the playoffs, they got to improve their blue line depth uh, if they think they're going to go anywhere here. Well, one thing I do really like that they did just the other day is make the move uh, to bring in uh, Nate Thompson. It's not an overly big uh, you know, deal for them, but I like the fact that they're adding a little bit of uh, some veteran depth on this team. You know, you look at some of the players that are excelling for them. Uh, they're, they're a little bit on the younger side, Kotanemi, even Max Dome. Uh, and so getting kind of a veteran locker room guy for, from all accounts – and all it really cost them was moving back from the fourth round to the fifth round, which honestly, in a lot of cases, once you get to the fourth round, it's a little bit of a toss up uh, in terms of whether or not a player is going to develop or not. So I actually really like this signing. It's kind of a minor deal. Thompson might be able to pick up a few more points and get some more consistent minutes uh, with, you know, with his new team here. But overall, uh, I do think it's a good uh, move in terms of trying to make a, a deeper run here in the postseason. And in Nashville, their prayers are answered. Kyle Tourist finally came back, uh, although he was blanked uh, in his early returns. I think he's going to be back up in uh, second line center role, playing power play minutes and producing before long. So I say grab this guy if you have a chance in your season-long free agent pools. Uh, he's going to outclass guys like Bonino and Boyle. Those guys are more perfectly suited as bottom six centers anyway. So they got a nice look uh, top to bottom in the middle of the ice there. Kevin Fiala on the wing is one guy also, I think, who has to produce more in a top six winger role. He's certainly capable of it, but he's not giving enough of himself right now. Craig Smith is less talented, but uh, he continues to chip in. Look at the three points he got last week. It's the plug-and-play guy right there that will get you 40 points on the season. Uh, Low-end value that consistently delivers there. Nashville is a team that's already uh, seemingly been very busy. I love the addition of Brian Boyle. Uh, I don't think it costs them too much. A second round pick was a lot, uh, but to get a player of his caliber on the team uh, for, for a team that's win now, I talked about this uh, in, in some previous trades with, with teams that are committed to winning now and making potential Stanley Cup runs, uh, picks don't matter to you. What's a 2019 second round pick if you get to lift the cup at the end of the year? It, it simply doesn't matter. And so I loved the addition of Brian Boyle. He's going to help kill penalties. He's going to play on the power play. And really, this has to be, in my opinion, one of the best center groups in the league right now. Ryan Johansson, Nick Bonino, Kyle Turris, and Brian Boyle as your four centers. Uh, I think a couple of these guys are a little bit interchangeable. And so overall, a great addition by the team. And it also shows how much they like Cody McLeod, who they lost uh, on waivers. They were willing to give up a 2020 seventh round pick, which really, again, as I mentioned, a seventh round pick isn't really that big of a deal. But they were, were willing to make the move to bring him in. The one kind of head scratcher here for me is trading away Emil Pedersen uh, for for two draft players. This is a guy who in uh, Milwaukee, 33 points in 49 games this season, has really been tearing it up and has been a great uh, kind of pickup by them. Already has three assists in two games uh, for Tucson, the, the Arizona affiliate here. So uh, two good moves uh, and one bad one, in my opinion, for Nashville so far. 
And in, in New Jersey, it looks like they've raised the white flag uh, message sent to the rest of the roster with Blackwood going back to the minors, leaving the goaltending tandem to Schneider and Kincaid. Schneider, just coming back from injury, has had an ordinary year for sure. The extended absence of Taylor Hall also factoring in to this move, I think. It means he's. it's an assortment of players that have been trying the top left-wing role without much success. Uh, Jesper Bratt seems to be taking advantage of that chance right now, though, with several points in his last four games played. Coleman on the verge of his first 20-goal season has gone the other way with no points in his last six games played in the other left-wing scoring line role. So if they could ever get that sorted out, they would have had a much better season to date, uh, just not happening this time around. This club is absolutely not done uh, selling, in my opinion, here ahead of the deadline. I mentioned the Boyle trade. Uh, you know, they get that second round pick, which for a team that's developing, that's a good deal for them. I think Marcus Johansson could be on his way out. Uh, he'll be a UFA, uh, potentially maybe even a guy like Drew Stafford. I'm not sure if there's enough market for him, uh, but certainly uh, kind of a veteran winger who's been around the block a little bit uh, could be somebody that that certain teams uh, want to take a look at. So uh, really interesting to watch what they do the rest of the way. And that's going to open up the door. For guys, you know, like Joey Anderson, uh, Nick Lappin, Brett Senny to get more ice time uh, and to get kind of their auditions with the club. And with the New York Islanders, it's a year where most of the news has been all good. Uh, in fact, even Andrew Ladd may be finally getting healthy enough to contribute after missing the first three, the last three months. Uh, I think there's an opportunity here for him on the left wing of the second line because uh, youngsters Michael Del Colle and Anthony Beauvillier, they've not scored enough to make that spot their own, uh, at least over a long haul. There's a chance that another long-time absentee, Thomas Hickey, will return on defense. So really, there's not a lot of bad news to report with the Islanders and their record certainly reflects that yeah for sure I think there's a lot to you know really um, like about this team in terms of you know fantasy as well as you know what they can do in the postseason uh, they you know remain atop uh, the Metropolitan Division which is not something that anybody really uh, anticipated they went 7-1-2 and two in their last uh, 10 games and you're talking about a plus 27 goal differential which is uh, you know it may not look quite as good as Tampa Bay's plus 61 obviously uh, but in a competitive Metropolitan Division I think plus tw- anything above plus 20 really says a lot um, about where you are as a team both defense Defensively and being able to score, uh, there aren't really too many concerns about this club right now. The New York Rangers, yet another of those uh, one-line hockey clubs, Matt Zuccarello and Mika Zubanejad putting on quite a show over the last couple of weeks. And uh, Zuccarello's name, in fact, has cropped up in trade rumors. That's the first I've heard of him in, in, that, uh, in that vein uh, this season. So that's interesting to me. But uh, that's the only combo that's really producing here. Speedy big man. Uh, Chris Kreider rounds out that impressive forward unit. Kreider crashes a let net uh, effectively like few other big wingers in the league for my money. Building a competent second line here is the next challenge offensively. Jimmy Vesey emerged from a recent funk to tally a pair of points in big minutes last week. Certainly a guy that they look to in a top six role, they would hope. Buknevich has moved ahead of Chital in terms of minutes on the left wing as he too has been more productive of late. I like the meritocracy that's being run here. Uh, it's a good message to the young roster. Park your egos at the door and just play, and you'll get the bigger minutes. I think one player that needs to maybe not be getting some minutes right now 
is Jasper Fast. They've talked about how they're basically he's dealing with kind of an undisclosed issue uh, and they're essentially not going to make him practice, but they're still going to suit him up for games. Well, he's gone pointless in 10 in a row now. I think it's time to just shut him down and let him get healthy. You know, you're talking about a team that's potentially going to, you know, be sellers here uh, at the at the deadline anyway it doesn't make sense to continue to give this guy you know practice off but suit him up in games it just it seems irresponsible to me uh, not to just shut him down let him get healthy and then let him compete at a hundred percent in ottawa the pr stuff that this team has to deal with off the ice continues to plague them right now it's in advance of the trade deadline the fact that uh, Stone and Duchesne are negotiating deals, or are they not? Uh, it's going to become evident if they don't sign in the next week. You've got to think that the team wants a, at least seven days to try and shop these guys around. So that'll be a loud message to their fan base, which is dwindling by the day as this news is unsettled. On the plus side, though, rookie Tuchuk is pouring shots on goal at the highest rate uh, of his debut season of late, averaging almost four shots in each of the last five games played. That's a great sign, even though he's only picked up two points. If he keeps up that pace the points will come colin white is back between him and stone after a four-game absence that's good news because he's been a fine playmaker there in that role when he's been healthy in the nets anders nilsson has also been impressive with eight quality starts i'd say that's quality start in my my opinion in the nhl is when you allow three or less in uh, three goals or less in, in your full games so that's eight quality starts in his last nine outings for him they may have found their goalie of the future here uh, craig anderson nursing injuries and getting a little long in the tooth at the back end there they've relied on him for a long time it's uh, certainly time to pass that torch uh yes you uh, Magnus Pajarvi has picked up his pace offensively with four goals in his last eight games played. That's good to see. He's had trouble finding the net on a regular basis in several tours around the NHL. Seems to be comfortable right now in Ottawa. That's a bit of good news here from players who've taken different career paths to get here in terms of the guys that I mentioned in this preview. It took a little bit for for Thomas Shabbat to get back on track after dealing uh, with that kind of lengthy injury absence in, in late December, early January. You know, he had just the one assist in his first six games back, but he's got points in each of his last three games against some pretty tough competition. Uh, he picked up a goal against your Maple Leafs and then had an assist most recently against Winnipeg. So these are teams uh, that are tough to play against, and he looks to be back on track and ready to roll. Has already hit career highs in goals, assists, uh, and and you know shots on goal pretty much every statistical category 13 of his 43 points coming on the power play as well i think despite being kind of the leading blue liner and scorer for this team he remains somewhat under the radar now probably not in your season-long leagues but i don't think he's going to cost you too much uh, in your daily contests and so give him a look uh, and see what you can do with building him into your roster because everything seems to be going uh, well for him again AJ, you got a good look at the Flyers again last night, and again, we'll touch on later. Uh, game planning for the top two centers when opponents take a look at this team has become a major task since Claude Giroux has moved back to the middle. He and Sean Couturier really lighting things up. Couturier is on fire, for instance, with nine points in his last six games, back on the pace to challenge last season's breakout campaign, in fact. Second line left winger JVR has cooled off on the downside with only three assists in his last six games played and may lose the scoring line role to Scott Lawton, in fact. The same fate may also face Wayne Simmons, who has only one goal in his last seven games played 
on uh, right wing in the second line role, though he's still the subject of trade rumors here. You wonder if maybe that's kind of uh, playing into his uh, performance right now. You'd expect a veteran not to be bothered by such news, but uh, one has to wonder. On defense, Gostas Bear looks engaged more than he has most of the season. He's still logging lots of power play time, but producing now with five points in his last seven games. That's also been a big part of the recent surge here in Philadelphia. Well, I think the the thing last night is the Penguins finally made Carter Hart look human, uh, gave up three goals on, on 27 shots. And uh, there were a couple that he probably uh, didn't uh, feel real great afterwards, probably wanted those ones back. Um, but overall has been a phenomenal uh, piece for them of late and has been really the key uh, to their, you know, their extended eight game, uh, you know, win streak that they had here. Uh, you know, with the club, at, at least for him, uh, they got one other win from Anthony Stollerts over that stretch as well. And so uh, I think he'll be fine. Uh, he'll get back on track here pretty quickly. But uh, I do think it's important to note that he is still just 20 years old. Uh, he's a young netminder and may struggle uh, from time to time. And that, you know, kind of pumped the brakes on the expectations here. He came out firing, looked really good, uh, and he will. I think he's a phenomenal net miner for them and really the answer uh, to a concern for a, this team that they've had for decades. Um, but there are going to be occasional bad games, and I think you just need to chalk it up to a little bit of inexperience uh, and move on to the next one. Well, as a Pens fan, you must have been pleased with the fact that Jared McCann picked up uh, some of the slack left by Ergeny Malkin's absence last week, scoring two goals. The Pens, uh, though, they, they looked a little bit thin at center when you considered Malkin out of the lineup, but now that he's back, everything should be righted again. As I suspected, uh, Bugstad has assumed a left-wing role and should thrive there. He picked up his first goal as a Penguin, I think, last night, didn't he? And uh, yep. Marcus Pedersen has formed a potent partnership on the top D pairing with Chris Letang, con- collecting six points in his last five games. Look, this guy's a sneaky good DFS value play right now. If he hasn't about not been sla- snapped up in your season longs, you got to take a look at him there, too. Matt Murray's back in goal after another injury issue. At some point, this trend has to be a concern, though, AJ, as they're undoubtedly looking for a veteran goalie insurance among their trade talks down the line, I would think. I would think that as well, but every indication and thing that I've seen is that they're satisfied with Casey DeSmith back there behind Murray, which, again, I I certainly agree with your assessment. I I would have liked to see a kind of a veteran option. Of course, the last time they tried to do that was, uh, you know, the Anthony Niemi incident. So, uh, you know, there's obviously that concern there as well. Another additional concern for me is Olimata appears to uh, maybe have re-injured his shoulder. Uh, it's been nearly four years since he had surgery on it, so it's unlikely to be the same thing. Um, but it's definitely a concern. Now they are trending towards getting Justin Schultz back sooner rather than later. Uh, but to get you know Schultz back and lose Mata, uh, I do think is still overall an upgrade. I think Schultz is the better player of the two, uh, but it's definitely not what you want when you are looking to move into a much more a position of strength on that blue line. Uh, by having Schultz back. In San Jose, I hope you were listening to my take on Kevin LeBanc last week, folks, in, uh, in our last pod. He's risen up to the, on the roster and collected six points in his last four games played, so good on him. Thomas Hurdle is now moving into playing second-line center minutes, and it looks like it's gone straight to his legs as well. He's on a real tear with 10 points in his last five games. That's afforded this club the luxury of 
dropping Jumbo Joe Thornton into the third line center role for less stress on him too, though. Don't sleep on him. He has seven points in his last seven games played. And we also called for Martin Jones to stabilize his game in nets, and now he's put together three straight quality starts, all two goals against efforts and all wins over the past week. Well, yeah, with the the recent kind of point surge, uh, you've seen Joe Thornton move up. Uh, he passed Gordy Howe uh, to take over the the ninth spot on the all time assist list, and so uh, he's taking a, a step uh, up that list. Of course, uh, nobody will ever get to uh, number one there. That is held as most records are by Wayne Gretzky in kind of an unachievable manner. But uh, moving up uh, to ninth all time is. Uh, pretty impressive there for him. Uh, and so you look at the rest of the roster, I think the most important uh, kind of news that we've had recently is that Eric Carlson, who the only recent update we had on him was some sort of illness that kept him out uh, coming out of the break, is actually dealing uh, with a lower body injury that's keeping him uh, kind of day to day. So that'll be one to monitor. They're not going to force him back uh, any earlier than they need to they will 100 percent let him uh, get to to full health full fitness there before reinserting him into the lineup and that's the luxury of having brent burns and eric carlson most teams when your top blue liner is out are going to want to get him back as quickly as possible but that's simply not uh you know something that the sharks have to worry themselves about well, and the injury carousel is one that St. Louis had to deal with much of the season. Now it looks like they're about to get David Perron back in the lineup, too, on the right wing. That should help. But a couple of weeks ago, I touted this team as a tough out once they did get healthy. We're seeing a really hot streak that has them currently in the first wild card spot. Vladdy Tarasenko leading this offense on a real tear. And in net, Jordan Bennington on a five-game winning streak, stealing the net completely away from Jake Allen of late. While he's uh, while he struggled to produce much offense on the season, I also look for hulking D-man Colton Preco to pick things up. He's got a bit of a recent surge going, chipping in with four points and a plus seven over his past six games. That's by far his best stretch of this season. Well, and another guy that's really rolling for them right now is Ryan O'Reilly, uh, playing you know on that top top unit there, thirteen points in his last eleven games. Uh, again, three power play points over that stretch as well. So getting looks in that in that responsibility as well. And so really, uh, there's a ton of guys uh, you could look at in terms of you know your your DFS contests. Really, I like both the top two lines here. Uh, pretty much anybody could shot, slot in. Shen O'Reilly, Tarasenko is the number one. Schwartz, Bozak, and Steen as the number two. I do think there are some concerns as it drops off from there, and I think that could potentially be something they look to address uh, at the deadline here is to add some depth scoring options. In Tampa, we have to talk about the fact that their offense dried up a little bit over a four-game period, but then they woke up with a pair of five-goal efforts toward the end of last week to right the ship. Yanni Gord has reclaimed the top left-wing role after a lengthy scoring, ending a lengthy scoring drought. He's got a few goals now in his last eight games, looking like he wants to hold on to a top-six role again. He'll continue in, in that role as uh, Palat is dealing with an upper body injury uh, for the time being. Alex Kalorn in a seven-game goal-scoring slide it makes this left wing look like a bit of a weak spot here and it could be the lone target for any possible upgrade at the trade deadline at, uh, that I see. Uh, in terms of other spots, while lauded for his defensive play, 
McDonough has four assists in his last eight games despite no time on the power play. Hedman is rapidly rising up on the D scoring list, uh, taking up all of those minutes. Eight points in his last nine games played. So look, at there. it's hard, been hard to criticize this team or look for any possible issues, but a couple of them have sprung up in the past week for me. Well, and to highlight that, you mentioned Palat being injured and the scoring kind of drying up. He's on an eight-game goal drought, has just two assists over that stretch. And so he is certainly symptomatic of the problem the team was having as a whole. Uh, I do think that there's not much to be concerned about if I'm a Lightning fan. Uh, You know, a little bit of a slump right now is not the end of the world. I don't really expect anybody to be able to chase them down in terms of the president's trophy. I think it's pretty much theirs. uh, And they do still obviously have Vasilevsky in between the pipes uh, to help them out in those games where maybe they don't have as much offensive as they would want. Uh, I think he's certainly capable of still stealing you, you know, a couple one nothing uh, two nothing games, something like that. Okay, I'm going to talk next about a team that was on a five game win streak, then saw it snap when they poured 56 shots on goal in the in their loss on Sunday night not really too much to be disappointed with the Maple Leafs in fact most of the news is good as you might expect Willie Nylander finally looking like he's in hockey shape with seven points in his last eight games played he's flying up and down the right wing now and I expect that he'll move soon back to the Matthews unit where they had some magic over the last couple of years they enjoyed a lot of success together and I think we'll see that happen in the near future Andreas Johnson has also been up and down the roster, but uh, he's scored wherever he's played, AJ. And uh, in terms of minutes played, he's one of the most productive guys in in the entire league over the past month and a half. So uh, the guy's really shown a nose for the net and really a sneaky, cheap DFS value play at the moment still. Out of all of this, I feel really bad for Connor Brown, a guy who scored 20 goals in this league but can't seem to move up beyond his fourth line role with all the talent that's ahead of him he could be a top six winger on most other clubs and i fear that somebody's going to snap this guy up as trade bait at the deadline the leafs have to dangle somebody to get somebody and if connor brown's the guy to go he'll be a top six winger somewhere else very soon earlier in the season i think i talked about my one major concern for this club uh, was their usage of freddie anderson i felt like it was a little a uh, little heavy at times um, but you look at their last, you know, last couple of games here and you've got, uh, you know, Sparks took three uh, of their last 11. And I think that's a good thing overall for the team. Uh, they were all back to backs. Uh, so not too surprising that he got a look in those contests. But I, so I would like to see them maybe, uh, you know, down the stretch, give him a few games where it's not a back to back. And so you get Freddie Anderson uh, some additional time off. Now, obviously, a lot of that will depend on where they're sitting in the standings. Uh, but I again, I don't really think they can catch Tampa Bay anyway. And so really, as long as they're still uh, in either that two or three spot, uh, I think you could see Sparks get some more look. They obviously don't want to slide to the wild card and potentially get matched up uh, with Tampa Bay. But, uh, you know, they're obviously, I don't think, going to get first either. So some more work from Sparks down the stretch, I think, would be a good thing. I'm going to disagree with you. I think the Leafs match up well with Tampa. They've shown well in the two games that played head-to-head, and secretly they might not mind going to the four spot. If they have to go against Boston, I think there's going to be some some uh, hairs raising up on their backs of their necks, for instance. They've struggled with that matchup. And Montreal, 
that's going to be a lot of pressure. Uh, so uh, there's no easy out in that Atlantic division right now. And I, I, for one, would not fret over a Tampa-Toronto first-round matchup, although I'd like to see the Leafs hold on to second place. In Vancouver, Alex Edler is out with concussion symptoms after doing a face plant on the ice. That looked awful, and I hope that the guy gets back because he's a key to the power play here. In, the, in his absence, the pairing, uh, pair of guys, uh, Hutton and Pouliot, uh, will be the lone defensemen that are considered on the power play over going forward. Neither one will is expected to light it up, but they'll at least have the opportunity. Josh Levo has been reunited with Pedersen and Besser on a, an exciting line. He's produced four points in his last two games played, still undervalued in DFS play. I don't get it, but he is, and uh, you should jump on that as long as he's staying with those line mates. Losing Sven Barchi to his concussion issues is a big blow to this offense here and should extend the minutes for Levo in any case. Granlin and Erickson will also vie for those left-wing minutes on a uh, on the th- third line uh, to see if they can help cover the loss of a guy who's been a key part of their secondary scoring. Well, it wouldn't be uh, one of our podcasts if I didn't delve uh, deeply into the kind of minor league options here. Some of you might be wondering, looking at their depth chart, saying Zach McAhoo, uh, Zach McAwain, uh coming out of uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, didn't get drafted despite 74 points in 66 games in his last year there. Uh, ended up with Utica, 33 points in 66 games last season. And this year, doing even better with 42 points in 49 games with the Comets to start the season. So they bring him up. He doesn't play the first game, plays the second game, picks up an assist in his NHL debut. And so this is one player uh, in those season-long kind of dynasty leagues, one player I would definitely look at snatching up if he hasn't been already. Uh, In daily contests, might be worth a look as well because you have to imagine uh, a relatively unknown guy like this is going to come in at or near uh, that kind of 3000 bottom price tag for a winger. Uh, and so definitely someone to look at. And I know I'll be looking to pick him up uh, in most of my formats as well. And in Las Vegas, look, there's been a revolving door between the forwards and the shuffling going on in the IR here. It's just been crazy all season long. William Carrier returned to the unit and uh, Ryan Carpenter went on the sidelines with an undisclosed injury last week, for instance. Paul Stastny has found his groove amid all this wreckage uh, in terms of the the jumble of, of the forwards. He's got 10 points in his last 10 games played. It's a matter of time before he and Pacioretty gel, and I think they should lead this offense in quite a nice style when that happens. Willie Carlson certainly found some consistency last week, tallying four points over his last three games played. He's finally looking like the guy that he was last season when he had an outstanding breakout campaign. In the Nets, I'm going to take a bit of a swing, uh, swipe at Marc-Andre Fleury. He's shown a few more cracks of late, allowing at least three goals in six of his last ten starts. We've not seen that from him in his entire time in, in Las Vegas, and uh, we haven't seen certainly a one or zero goals against effort since January 1st out of him. You wonder if he's getting a little bit tired out there in terms of carrying the goalie load. Absolutely, and I think this... Uh, has to do with the backup situation there. They had uh, Malcolm Subban was on IR for a little bit there. Uh, and so because of that, they had, uh, you know, Max Legacy up uh, with the team. And I think maybe they just didn't want to give him uh, a look. I would expect heading into the postseason kind of push here, I would expect Subban 
to see a good number of games here uh, and and to get a bit of an extended look. He's only played eight games this season, so he should be relatively fresh. Uh, might be some concerns about the two five. Uh, an old record he has in those contests but his save percentage 0.904 not much more you can ask uh you know from a backup there so don't be surprised to see Subban get uh some more work here in order to kind of rest up Mark andre Fleury for the postseason and in Washington boy we've seen some kind of roll out of Evgeny Kuznetsov he's averaging like two points a game over the last two weeks or two or three weeks AJ he's now partnered with Alex Ovechkin again and he had another big night uh, last night as well a couple of weeks ago I suggested that Jakob Vrana needed to pick up his scoring pace to retain the second line left wing role well he's done exactly that folks with six points in his last seven games played on the blue line, Matt Niskanen has quietly increased his scoring rate of late with five points in his last eight games played. That's better than a 40-point rate on the season, though he's been a bit shy of that uh, year to date. I like, I like his pairing with Orlov, though, another D-man with some offensive skills on that second pairing. So uh, nice to see that for a defenseman depth on Washington really getting organized right now and playing very well. Another player playing really well right now is Andre Burakovsky uh, with four points in his last three games. And nobody's happier about that than Brian McClellan, because I think he is going to be shipped out here prior to the deadline. Uh, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Burakovsky has and so uh, hasn't seemed to have been a super good fit right now this season. Uh, and so because of that and the fact that he'll be an RFA next season, which I think bodes well for more teams being interested. The fact that they don't necessarily lose him right away uh, makes him a, a really viable piece to get moved. And he's doing everything he can right now to, you know, bolster the price tag that Washington's going to ask for him. And I'm going to touch once again on some recurring themes in Winnipeg. It seems they may be enjoying another great year, obviously, but a couple of rather large concerns remain for me. First, Connor Hellybuck is seeing, seeing a lot of shots on goal per game, more than what a quality team should be allowing on a nightly basis. And he can't seem to limit the damage in most games, leading to plenty of high-scoring affairs for Winnipeg and a lot of energy spent here. The second issue, the one that must be causing sleep, sleepless nights for team management, is Patrick Liney's lingering slump. He now has two goals in his last 24 games and will be an RFA at the end of this season. What do you do or pay a guy who has proven to be among the most dangerous shooters in the league and now is in this shocking slump? I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I do think as much as it might impact uh, the ability for Kyle Connor to, to produce, I think they need to consider moving line A up to Shifley and Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler's line just to get him, you know, a different combination. This guy can't be that dependent. I mean, obviously he seems to be, but can't be that dependent on Nikolai Ehlers playing with him. Uh, but that definitely seems to be the case. Now, in terms of the shot shots, I'm a little less concerned about it only because Josh Morrissey and Dustin Bufflin have both been out of the lineup for stretches of late. And so I do think that potentially could be why those shot totals are up on Connor Hellybuck a little bit. To your point, though, he needs to be better and to keep more of those from finding the back of the net. Now, AJ, we're going to look at a 
ten, it looks like a 10 or 11 game slate on the NHL uh, tonight when we play FanDuel. Uh, over, we'll remind our listeners, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel, including you and me. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, we encourage you to sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. Tell them we sent you, and we even get a kickback in that regard with maybe some, some free games to play, AJ. I'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the schedule of games tonight, I want to note that Washington and Philadelphia are both road warriors tonight playing the second of back-to-backs. So you might want to temper your usage of those players, even though Washington's been red hot. They go into Columbus against Bobrovsky, who could shut the door on them. I'm also interested to see how Chicago, uh, they've been playing great of late uh, against a a Boston team that suffered an injury setback, a key one that you mentioned. Could be an upset there in the making. Uh, One of the signature games of the night has to be Calgary and Tampa. It might even be a Stanley Cup preview in some people's eyes. Who knows? Uh, Certainly wouldn't bet against either team getting there the way the standings look today. And, of course, I'll be staying up later to watch the Leafs in Colorado. That should be quite a high-scoring affair unless Freddie can shut the door on that high-scoring avalanche first line. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, kind of other games to watch. I do think, you know, you mentioned Washington, Columbus. I think Buffalo, New York, uh, the Islanders there could be a really intriguing game to watch as well, uh, given, you know, kind of the the unheralded Islanders who are exceeding expectations against the young Sabres. Uh, definitely one to watch tonight. And New York, uh, the Rangers against Winnipeg to see if Line can get out of that funk and, and what happens there. In and terms of the... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say another <laughs> game that I thought of, Jersey and St. Louis. I mean, I'm all over the Jordan Bennington story, as you know, and it'll be interesting to see if they can keep their, uh, their run toward the playoffs alive, too, here. I mean, if I'm an NHL GM trying to look for players I could steal, I might watch that game. But <laughs> otherwise, uh, for me, I'm going to skip out on that uh, tonight. Looking ahead to the the line of optimizer tonight, there's uh, pretty much a, a, a two team stack for the most part here for the optimizer. It likes your Maple Leafs uh, and then it likes Winnipeg tonight. So it starts off the optimizer pays up real big at center tonight to go John Tavares at eighty three hundred and then back with Austin Matthews at seventy seven hundred. Colorado's uh, defense and and, uh, goaltending has been suspect. We've talked about that. And so you certainly can't begrudge them uh, that possibility. The optimizer wants to use uh, those Winnipeg Jets, Patrick Laine at 6,500, Kyle Connor at 5,700. I think what you're seeing with Laine there is the fact that his price tag has dropped uh, to a point where it's worth, uh, at least in the optimizer's opinion, the risk of him potentially continuing to slump. The fact that uh, Winnipeg is favored minus uh, 210 tonight with a six and a half over under. Uh, and so Line and Connor come in uh, as two wingers there. It's also going to use Anthony Mantha for Detroit at 4,100, second liner playing top power play minutes. And then Andre Svechnikov for Carolina against Ottawa, 3,800. Uh, had to save up somewhere, obviously, with, with the big spending there. On uh, the blue line, you're looking at Dustin Bufflin for 5,400. I think uh, he's a great play tonight given that price tag, uh, especially as he starts to get going just back from that injury. Dougie Hamilton for Carolina, 4,800. Again, another player uh, that I think is a bit underpriced for what he's produced. And then in the Nets, probably in part due to some increased shot potential playing against Colorado. The optimizer likes Freddie Anderson at 8,700. So that's how it all shook out uh, from the optimizer, Winnipeg and Toronto, kind of the two big teams 
uh, that the math seems to be favoring tonight. Well, and I favored them in terms of the way I laid out my squad. In fact, it looked a lot like that optimizer thing at first, but I shook things up a little just for a little bit of variety here. I can't go against Austin Matthews, though, this evening. A price tag of $7,700. I think that the... Colorado likes to go head-to-head against what they perceive as the top line, and that means that they'll probably put their big line out there against Tavares' unit and see if they can uh, beat them in that head-to-head battle, freeing Matthews up for some lesser opposition. And I'll pair him up with Ryan O'Reilly. You spoke very highly of his uh, recent exploits. I'd buy into that, and I get him still at a cheap $6,700, I think, when I think they have a, an easy matchup against the visiting team from New Jersey tonight. I spoke of Willie Nylander being... Uh, carrying a hot stick of late well FanDuel doesn't think it's that hot yet and they're pricing at only $4,500 I'll take a bit of that action and I also like Kasperi Kapanen at the $4,300 playing along with Matthews I suspect that unit's going to have a big evening as I suggested and I get Kapanen there really at at a low ball offer I almost think then I round out the uh, winger compliment with Braden Shen, a top liner who plays with O'Reilly on that first unit in St. Louis. And uh, Blake Wheeler, you mentioned again about the Winnipeg Jets' top line. Well, he's been a productive guy night in, night out, and he'll face the visitors from New York tonight. $7,700 his price tag. The other Winnipeg Jet that's in my lineup is uh, their top-scoring defenseman in the last month, and that's Jacob Truba, who's really starting to look like the player that I thought, I thought he could be uh, in terms of an offensive force. Paying up to get him, though, $5,800 is the price tag. Rounding out the squad, picking up two St. Louis Blues. Alex Pietrangelo, $4,900 for the Blues' top defenseman who's starting to really look like it. And then in goal, without trying to choke myself up a little bit, I'm going to pick up uh, local favorite Jordan Bennington here. He's been on fire of late, $7,800 is the price tag. And, uh, boy, he's had a lot of quality starts on his ledger in his fine rookie campaign. I definitely think that's a great play tonight. Uh, you know, you've got the Blues uh, favored minus 225 against a down uh, New Jersey Devils team that's without Taylor Hall uh, continuing. So a, a great tip of the cap there uh, to your your local your local boy uh, Bennington there. For me, I'm going to go uh, a bit of an Ottawa uh, line stack here to start. I'm going to go with their first line. Uh, I think the matchup with Carolina is a good opportunity uh, for this group to produce. They're at home, so I'm going to go Duchesne at 7,100. And then wingers, uh, Ryan Dezingo and Bobby Ryan. Dezingo coming in at 56, Bobby Ryan coming in at 53. Uh, my other center is Kyle Turris at 4,300. I know he's technically slotted in as a third uh, line center, but he should see power play minutes, uh, and 4,300 makes him really a steal. So I've kind of kept my spending down at this point, so I'll go big and go with Maple Leafs leading scorer Mitch Marner at 7,900 as my other winger. And then I'm going to go with Peter Sir Sir Larrick uh, from Boston, 3,200. I think it's a good matchup for them tonight, especially getting that second line role. So I think he should produce for them. Uh, Defensively, going to go John Carlson tonight, 6,500, and Roman Yossi, 6,900. Saved up to really spend big on the blue line, but I uh, expect big nights for both of those guys. And in the Nets, uh, I just couldn't pass up. Uh, Pekka running tonight at 8,200. It's a little bit on the high side but that matchup with Detroit Nashville's favored uh, minus 245 tonight only a 5.5 over under that's one of the lowest of the night so uh, I think it's a good opportunity for him to potentially uh, get a shutout tonight 
And uh, we turn our attention to the stud of the week. You mentioned one guy that reached a thousand game plateau. Well, I'm going to highlight the other one here. We'll talk about him in glowing terms, I'm certain. Patrice Bergeron reached that plateau and he did it in style. He got four goals and three assists last in games last week. Still for my money, the best two-way center in the game playing on one of the scariest lines in the NHL. Game in, game out. You just look at the Boston summary and you're almost guaranteed to see these names pop up. And Bergeron is the guy that certainly drives this team. When you hear Marshawn and Pasternak talk about him, it's in incredibly reverent tones for a guy that plays the game the right way and just always seems to be in the mix when a key goal or a key play is required. He delivers all the time, it seems, and uh, no more dependable player uh, for me in the entire league uh, over the last several years, I'll say. So really interesting kind of tidbit uh, that came out of this. So his thousandth game uh, came on the road. So it wasn't until the next game when they were home that the team was kind of able to honor and celebrate him. And what I thought was a really great display of sportsmanship and speaks to Bergeron's character is that the L.A. Kings came out early uh, for the start of the ceremonies and were on the bench uh, while Bergeron was being honored. And I think that really uh, is a is a great show of respect by uh, Los Angeles to kind of tip their cap to a guy who's done it so well for so long in this league. And in the rant of the week, we're going to talk about a guy who's done it so well for so long in the league, but he kind of caught my eye. And, and in- interesting that you're a big fan of his, obviously, being a Pittsburgh Penguin. I'm talking about Evgeny Malkin. And, of course, we're referring to the bit of a, a stick-swinging incident uh, that happened in, a, in last night's game, AJ. I mean, if I can describe the play accurately, I'll try, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But he was the victim of a punch uh, that was a kind of a sneaky dirty play and he uh, reacted by flinging his stick kind of carelessly and just missing uh, the player with a shot to the head with his stick and and he faces a disciplinary action here and it's a tough call for the league I think because you're talking about a star player who doesn't have a history for this kind of behavior but an incident that certainly you don't want to see mimicked anytime soon. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of penalty, if any, he receives. I know he's got a a meeting with the league, so that's usually at least a maximum fine or a brief suspension that's being considered. And, uh, you know, uh, from your perspective, you're a fan of the team and and the player. I know if it was a Leaf player, I'd have a certain opinion on this that might be tempered a little bit, but uh, because he's one of my guys, and I wonder if you feel the same way. What's What's your take? No, my take is that Malkin needs to be better than that. And and I certainly understand that uh, frustration can happen, especially when you get punched in the back of the head. Uh, and and I, I, I can I can sympathize with that. But, you know, he's got to be better. He's got to know uh, that, the you know, the second guy always is the one that gets penalized. Am I frustrated that that there wasn't a, a corresponding penalty for the punch to the head absolutely but is that an excuse for malkin's actions absolutely not uh and so i think he needs to be better uh you know he's just getting back in the lineup so the team's excited to have him back and playing uh and then he takes himself out of the game like that now granted uh it was obviously towards the end of the game so uh it didn't have too much impact right away but if he gets suspended and i wouldn't be surprised uh to see him get a game or two in this instance um you know and and i I wouldn't suggest that it would be unwarranted either. I, I think it certainly uh, could uh, be deserving. So this is a guy that knows better, has to be better, and he said as much in his post-game uh, comments. So I, 
I have no uh, no sympathy for him in, in this case. I obviously don't want to see him get suspended, but I think uh, it's certainly warranted, and uh, I'm fully expecting one to two games uh, for this incident. Well, if I can say I have a vested interest, I want to see him get 10 or 20 so that I can close the gap in our dollar <laughs> bet because you have a commanding league in that thing. I close it to 10 points, and then he comes back, and all of a sudden your guys get four more last night, so I'm down 14. Not too happy about that. But don't go spending <laughs> well, it, that dollar yet. <laughs> it can't be more than five since it's a phone hearing, so that's the best you can hope for. There you go. Well, that wraps up this episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips and stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. Hey.